welcome to the Chris Oldcorn Show for Friday. Do we have a great show for you today? Going to be talking a bit about what's going on in Quebec, how they're opening their schools and some of the retail stores. We're also going to have an interview with Jeff Gunn. He is a Juno-nominated guitarist, producer, and songwriter, and he'll be joining us for part one of his interview as we talk about what it's like to be a musician during COVID-19. We'll be right back in a moment. Hello and welcome back. The first thing I want to talk to you about today is a drug that in the U.S. has shown some promising results from one study that has been done on a fairly large scale, just over a thousand people. The drug is called Remdesivir. Now, this drug has been tested before on both SARS and MERS. They were doing testing on it. Both SARS and MERS, I should also note, are coronaviruses, so they're the same virus family as COVID-19. And they have had some promising results on both of SARS and MERS. But here's what we do know about this drug, Remdesivir. Dr. Fauci, who's the top infectious disease uh, uh, expert in America, uh, he's the one you see on the news all the time, he wants the FDA to fast track this drug. But we don't necessarily know how it works. What we do know is that it's shortening the time of hospitalized patients. So in other words, for people who have a more severe uh, case of COVID-19, it is actually working to help them recover faster. So how does it work? Well, first they China was doing a study, but it was such a small number of patients uh, that there was actually no, they showed no decrease in recovery time. So there's, they decided to test it in the U.S. as a possible um, way to decrease the amount of time that people have COVID-19 uh, and sort of build on the research they had done with regards to both SARS and MERS. Now, the drug Remdesivir, um, we don't actually know how it actually shortens um, the hospital stays for people who take it. What we do know is that it's an antiviral drug and it, it compared to the placebo group, um, it shortens hospital stays by 31% or basically the average hospital stay for COVID-19 is 15 days in the study and it, for the people in the placebo group, but the people who took the remdesivir, their hospital stay was shortened to 11 days. Now, this is a good thing on a couple different fronts. One, it recovers people faster, which means it costs less per person to cure them from COVID-19. And also, it frees up hospital beds, which means there's less overcrowding. So there's two positive things that have come out of this study. However, scientists don't know why it works. This also means they don't necessarily know what the side effects could be, both short-term, medium-term, and long-term. They just don't know. However, the U.S. is fast-tracking its use uh, to treat COVID-19 patients. We're being a little bit more cautious here in Canada. Uh, however, let's just look at the study that they did do. The American study had 1,063 patients in it. That's actually a fairly large study when it comes to treating um, or testing for a drug to treat any sort of illness, particularly uh, a coronavirus, uh, as all the other trials have been actually uh, pretty much smaller than that, that they were testing both for SARS and MERS. However, the SARS and MERS cases were cell cultures and animal tests. They weren't on humans. So at least we have some positive results there coming in from America with this new drug. We've seen the president uh, talk about a bunch of different possible cures. Uh, none of them have really panned out. 
However, this one was not coming from the president. This was actually coming from Dr. Fauci, who it's his job to know infectious diseases and, and how these studies work. And actually him wanting to fast track it to the FDA means there has to at least be something in that study result that makes him feel that it could be a good way to treat COVID-19. Now, coming back here to Canada, let's talk about Quebec. Quebec had 98 new deaths just on Thursday. They have 1,859 total deaths, and just on Thursday, they had 944 new cases. Ontario's never even had 944 new cases in a day. Quebec has decided that they want to open up their elementary schools and some of their retail stores. But here's the thing. We know that kids are a great way of transmitting disease. We know that with COVID-19, that they don't get the same severe symptoms that adults do. And a lot of them have what is called they're asymptomatic, meaning that they are actually carrying COVID-19, but they don't develop any symptoms. We've seen the same things in adults as well. It's quite possible for one adult to have COVID-19, never develop any symptoms at all, and pass it from one individual to the next. That's one of the reasons why we don't allow healthy people to go into nursing homes and visit their relatives and that they have to see them through the glass because you can actually be carrying COVID-19 and not show any symptoms at all. Quebec wants to open their schools. We are getting very close to the end of the school year. Uh, with Quebec opening their schools, they're actually only going to get somewhere around six weeks more worth of education. However, is it really worth opening our schools and taking the chance that kids can pass this around, pass it to their parents, go home, pass it to their grandparents, if their grandparents live with the family? We just don't know. And Ontario, we have taken a very cautious approach. So has the rest of Canada. However, Quebec has more deaths per 100,000 people than any other province. It also has more cases per 100,000 people. In other words, the percentage of their population who are dying and who are testing positive is higher than anywhere else in Canada. Yet they want to start opening stuff up in their province. This is not wise. Uh, I would like to caution the Quebec government that they should probably reconsider this. Reason being is kids don't know how to keep their hands out of their mouths. I mean, kids touch things, they put their hands in their mouth, they then touch something else. Kids just don't understand the concept of don't touch your face, don't put your hands in your mouth. You know, they don't wipe down their toys with Lysol wipes between uses before they pass it to their friend. I mean, there's so many problems here. And they're talking about, oh, we're going to social distance the kids in the classroom. Good luck social distancing a kindergarten class. Have you ever seen a kindergarten class? You honestly think you could get 25 five-year-olds to socially distance for a full school day? You'll be lucky if you could get them social distancing for one minute, never mind for a whole day. This is not a smart idea by the province of Quebec to do this. And also retail stores don't really need to open. We have so many different options. You can buy jeans online, have them shipped to your house, never have to go into a store and expose yourself to another individual. This is just reckless by the Quebec government. I hope they reconsider this uh, as they're not opening schools on Monday, but they are shortly after that. And I hope that they will reconsider this very, very bad decision. And by the way, Ontario's right next to Quebec. There's no firm border. If you there's nothing to stop someone from going from Quebec into Ontario and back again and spreading the virus around here. We should be very concerned in Ontario because we've actually kept our death rate and our infection rate at about a third of what the actual infection and death rate is in Quebec. We are being responsible here in Ontario and I hope that Quebec will reconsider. I'll be right back with Jeff Gunn, Juno Warden 
Juno Award-nominated guitarist, producer, and songwriter with his interview. See you in a moment. And welcome back. We, today we are joined by Jeff Gunn. He's a Juno Award-nominated guitarist, songwriter, and producer with Emmanuel Jell, The Keys album. Also, he has co-wrote a song with Nelly Furtado and Jell called Scars. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So how has your life changed as a musician since COVID-19 has started? Well, basically, uh, what I've had to do, and a lot of musicians, is really turn our attention to uh, online options and online or online presence, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, and what that's meant for me is uh, giving online guitar lessons, you know, um, which is something I haven't done for quite some time. So it was kind of really gearing up on that side, um, getting into the habit of posting uh, the music that you're making a couple of times a week. I schedule it. So I put something out every Wednesday and Saturday and then try to draw the people also to your uh, your website and to your YouTube channel and also any fan page you might have and engage the audience a lot more. So I think a lot of musicians have really turned up their online presence. Um, whereas before I did a lot of, lot of live shows uh, and things like that. So it's really, it's been exciting actually in one way because we've really got to pay attention to that aspect of, uh, of, of our music presence, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've traveled all over the world uh, touring. And where, where's your favorite place? If you could, once this COVID-19 thing's over, and if you have one place that you'd want to go back to first, what would that be? Sure. Um, well, on holiday <laughs> or a vacation, I guess, would be, uh, I've always wanted to go to Tahiti, actually. Okay. Um, it's one place I haven't been is the South Pacific, but I've been pretty much everywhere else in the world. Um, but I will say that playing shows, um, last summer we did a tour in Europe with Emmanuel Jao which was just incredible. Uh, we played uh, festival shows uh, in England, France, Slovakia, all over. It was just an incredible summer, and it was some of the biggest shows we've ever done, playing for, for big festival crowds, 10K plus. Um, it was an incredible experience, and uh, so I would love to go back and do the festival circuit. In fact, we were probably, we were planning to play uh, a few festivals this summer, but then they've all been kind of postponed or canceled for the time being. So, <laughs> yeah. um, But there's a lot, so many different places, but that would definitely be one European summer tour. I always look forward to that. Are any of those festivals going to move online this summer from Europe that you played last year, where they're going to try and still do something? Or Because we've seen, uh, for example, there was that global concert about a week and a half ago. This past week, right. there was the one here for within Canada. Um, are any of those concerts in Europe doing something similar? Um, I'm not actually sure about the concerts in Europe. We've play, we played Glastonbury a few years ago, which is mm -hmm. one of the big, I think it is the biggest festival in the world in terms of uh, numbers and things like that, people attending. We were meant to play it again this summer too. So I don't know if a festival that size, what they're going to do. But I do know that there's been a lot of online uh, festivals mm -hmm. um, besides playing shows with Emmanuel Jow which is more like a world music kind of hip hop and it, it draws in bigger crowds. I also do solo guitar. So on the solo guitar front where you're doing instrumental guitar, um, there's been a lot of opportunities online all of a sudden. Everyone's jumping on and playing festivals. I've done two so far, one at Fingerstyle Hub um, and the other one is called Near Music, uh, Guitarists in Isolation, uh, where they pick guitar players from around the world to go on and do a 15 minute set, maybe like four guitarists at once. Or in the case of Fingerstyle Hub, we had like 10 guitarists. And you go on, you sit here in your living room, and then you play for 15 minutes. Um, and then you share three three or four of your tunes. Yeah. Um, and then the next person comes on. 
Yeah, so. and you've worked with a lot of different musicians um, and traveled all over the world. Who is your favorite musician to work with so far? Other than Jal, obviously, but. Sure, that's a tricky one. Um, I've been very fortunate to, to get in the studio with, with a number of great musicians and also perform. I would say um, in terms of writing, um, getting in the studio and stuff like that, um, I recently had a chance to uh, to get in the studio with uh, a band called Nico and Vince. Uh, when I was in LA, I was invited to play uh, guitar on a, on their new album they're going to put out on a few of the tracks. So that was that just happened magically. I would say overall, though, um, when Peter Gabriel, who's someone I've always loved, especially his African style music in the early '90s when he kind of promoted that, almost like Paul Simon esque. Um, basically, he he introduced us. We got to open for him. I've met him on a number of occasions. Even this past summer, we played his WOMAD Festival in Europe. Um, but we got to open for him at a place called the Roseland Ballroom in New York City a few years back. Um, and he came on stage and introduced us. So that was a magical moment because um, as I was walking into the Roseland Ballroom, which is no more actually, um, they were doing, they were warming up and doing their sound check with In Your Eyes, which is one of my favorite tunes ever. So that was a very special moment to share music and do that. That's awesome. Uh, we're here with Jeff Gunn, uh, Juno Award-nominated guitarist, and we'll be right back after these messages. And thank you for watching The Chris Oldcorn Show. I'd like to thank my guest, Jeff Gunn, the Juno Award-nominated guitarist, producer, and songwriter. Thank you for watching the show for Friday. And if you'd like to hear the audio version of our show, it is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Oldcorn. I hope you have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday morning at 8 a.m. for special report. Have a fantastic weekend.